We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for uh, October 30th, 2011. And we're going to continue the study that we're doing here, and we're going to just continue the article that we were uh, researching regarding uh, Wicca and the things that witches do during the year regarding different and various holidays. The Wicca year cycle described above is similar to concept he- concepts held by early pagans who viewed the natural world with awe and superstition. Ancients watched the changing of the seasons and wondered about the life and death of crops. They perceived such natural processes as mystic and developed fertility cults with gods and goddesses who died and were reborn. <clears throat> they didn't just do this by themselves, though. They were instructed, led by demons and devils and fallen angels. This is where uh, how this all originated. They didn't just come up with this in their head. This was a well-laid-out, thought-out, um, evil deception, essentially, that's been played out for thousands of years. Going further, the worship of the Earth's spirit as a mother and the incarnation of the Earth's fertility forces within dying gods and goddesses developed into one of the most widespread forms of paganism in antiquity. Whether it was Inanya of the Sumerians, Ishtar of the Babylonians, or Fortuna of the Romans, every civilization had a sect of religion based on the embodiment of the Earth spirit as a caring mother goddess. The Egyptians worshipped Hathor in this way, as did the Chinese Shingmu. The Germans worshipped Hertha as the great mother earth, and the apostate Catholics idolized the queen of heaven. In Greece, the queen of heaven of the Olympian goddesses and the mother earth was Hera. <clears throat> but the queen of heaven essentially was Mary in the Catholics, and also in the, um, the Bible refers to the queen of heaven as well. The, the Jews got into that uh, worshipping the apostate Jews got into worshiping and baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven. If you see Isaiah 7, 11, and 14, uh, gets into that. Or was it Jeremiah? Hold on. Yes, it's Jeremiah 11, 7, and 14. <clears throat> you can learn more about that as well. <clears throat> so, if we go further, uh, let's see here. In Greece, the queen of the Olympian goddesses and Mother Earth was Herna, or Hera, I'm sorry. Before her was Gaia, the creator Mother Earth, and beneath her were many other Earth goddesses, including Demeter, Artemis, Aphrodite, and Hecate. <clears throat> the principal idea was, and still evidently is, among Wiccans, that the Earth is a sentient being, I mean literally a living, thinking being, The ancient and universally accepted idea that the living earth was also a fertile mother was conceptualized in different ways and in various goddess myths and images throughout the ancient world. In the Golden uh, Assi, by 2nd century Roman philosopher Lucius Apollos, the spirit of the earth was perceived as a feminine force that could express itself at various times to different people within the goddess mothers. The earth spirit responds to Lucius. So this was a, <clears throat> supposedly what this uh, second century philosopher, Roman philosopher, was telling that this earth spirit told him. And I'm quoting, it says, 
Behold, Lucius, I am come. Now, this is Mother Earth talking to Lucius now, okay? <clears throat> he had his Mother Earth phone on, and uh, this is what she told him. Behold, Lucius, I am come. Thy weeping in prayers hath moved me to succor thee. I am she that is the natural mother of all things, mistress of and governess of all the elements, the initial progeny of the worlds, chief of all powers divine. Again, what a monumental fraud, lies. Just This is basically Satan talking to this guy, or one of his minions, to convince him that yes, Mother Earth is really real, and I am all these things, and the governess of all elements, and the initial progeny of the world, the chief of powers divine, the queen of heaven, the principle of the god celestial, no shortage of ego here, and the light of goddesses. At my will will the planets of the air wholesome winds of the seas, and the silence of hell be disposed. My name, my divinity, is adorned, through, adored throughout the world in divers manners, in variable customs, and in many names. For the Pythagoreans call me the mother of the gods, the Athenians Minerva, the Cyprians Venus, the <clears throat> Candians Diana, the Sicilians Pros, Prosperpina, Prosperpina, Proserpina, um, oh, Proserpina, the Elenusians, and Celis, some uh, call them Juno. Others, Bologna, Hecate, principal of the Ethiopians, queen of Isis. So, again, this is a devil basically just saying, I am all these things. And this is how this stuff got started. This is how people got deceived. In the first place, because they listened to some lying spirit that posed itself as essentially God here. I mean, this devil saying this stuff says he's the chief of powers divine. Well, if this devil was really the chief of powers divine, wouldn't that kind of be God? Pretty much. But, you know, Satan has an ego problem, and, and so do his fallen angels and devils and demons. And they like to uh, masquerade and pose as a lot of things they will never be. Very, very common. Goes on to this day. Going further, it says, One could assume, based on such texts, that a single spiritual source or realm energized the many goddess myths. Likewise, in the ancient hymn to earth the mother of all homer illustrates how the earth spirit was universally involved in the affairs and lives of nations from these and other ancient records it is obvious that the earth was more than an agricultural or herbaceous facility to the pagans she was the personable and eldest of all beings the holy goddess the bountiful spirit and the all-nourishing mother of men who manifested herself within the popular idols and mother goddesses so see please understand that this whole mother earth gaia thing that's going on today in the new age movement it has its its roots are ancient modern wiccans and neo pagans perceive the earth similar, similarly Often referring to Earth as Gaia, a living, caring entity, we are told that people are just one of Mother Earth's species, not her ruler. Uh, it's very, very common today if you hear, hear people uh, referring to Mother Earth as a, uh, humans as a species. I mean, Alex Jones does it all the time. It drives me crazy. 
uh, species. Well, that's how the New Agers, and that's how the high-level Illuminati refer to us as well. A species. And what they, and at that uh, United Nations Earth Summit, that uh, one guy had, had made an announcement. His name escapes me. But he says, we, he kept referring to mankind as a species, and then he ended by saying, this is a species, we are a species out of control. Population must be stabilized, and it must be done basically now. Meaning, it must be reduced. And again, their plan is anywhere from a 60% reduction all the way up to a 95% reduction, depending on what sources you're looking at. I mean, if it was up to Satan, I think it would be a 100% reduction, ultimately, if he was truly in control. But if he really, truly was in control, he would have already implemented all this stuff, and we'd all be gone, right? That just goes to show you who really is in control. So, going further, uh, let's see here. Uh, she provides, Mother Earth provides the living biosphere, the region on, above, and below the her are where things created. And again, this is all such an affront to God. I mean, they're attributing all these things to Satan that God alone should be take we should be giving glory and credit for. <clears throat> the Bible says in John one, regarding Jesus Christ, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. Going further, it says she provides the living biosphere, the region on, above, and below her surface where created things, both, both spirit, physical and spiritual, live. During the Samhain Sabbath, or Halloween, pagans celebrate the time when the veil between the living and the dead is at its thinnest. A period when those spirits beneath Gaia's surface can e more easily communicate with the living. The evil spirits are referenced to now. This is where we get the whole thing with Halloween costumes. Early on, when the Druids really were the modern day, which is where really modern day Halloween comes from, the Druids, the Druid high priests, um, when they were, um, they had already gathered all their human sacrifices, and they had prepared their wicker man to be burned, and they had these compartments in the wicker man where they, all these people and these animals were stored to be burned, to the stag god, or whoever they wanted to call it. And what they would do is they would dress up in costumes, because they believed, and I'm sure there's a certain amount of truth in that, that the veil between the spiritual world is at its thinnest on October 31st. It's literally considered Satan's birthday. It's another thing that's considered. Uh, the, the start of the pagan new year. Uh, the start of the pagan year of life, like as we had said before here. The most wicked, um, really the most wicked holiday, holy day for a pagan that there is. But the, they would dress up in these costumes to knowing that these spirits were going to manifest. Because the veil between the spiritual worlds were thinnest, they would dress up in all these horrific costumes to supposedly try to ward off these demonic spirits and keep them in check. That's how we get Halloween costumes. That's how we get it. And I get into all the other things in the Halloween teaching I did. I mean, every single thing about Halloween has a pagan bobbing for apples, you name it. Okay? Uh, it all has a pagan origin. And, I mean, a horrifically evil pagan origin. 
So again, it's they believe it's a period when those spirits beneath Gaia's surface can more easily communicate with the living. Wiccans might find it interesting that many Christian theologians agree with the idea that the physical earth contains spiritual forces. For instance, in the book of Revelation, chapter 9, verse 14, we read the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. They're there right now. Okay? Those four, you know... Angels, they're there right now. Likewise, in Job 26.5, we find dead things that are formed from under the waters. Additional biblical references indicate that within the earth is a kind of holding tank or prison where God has bound certain fallen entities, referred to um, as hell, um, which is derived only one time with, from the word Tartarus, which is a, especially, essentially a special compartment of hell where the fallen angels um, are imprisoned, okay, that fell uh, during Noah's day, and most likely the ones that fell after that, um, because we see more evidence of fallen angel activity, obviously, in the promised land. When they went in the promised land, there were giants in the land. So, again, uh, anyway, you can find references to that in Second Peter 2, 4 and Jude 6. Other evil spirits to communicate with or participate in the Affairs of humanity as is defined in scripture. The Hebrew people were warned that earth spirits pretending to be gods might seek communion with men. And when the witch of Endor communicated the same, they ascended up from out of the earth, it said. In 1 Samuel 28.13. It would seem, therefore, based on such scriptures, that the dynamic or energy behind the earth goddess spirits of Halloween is very real indeed. And according to Christian doctrine, identical... um, with the legions of fallen spiritual forces bound within the earth. Uh, listen, the ones that are bound are bound. I don't believe they can come up here and, 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 and interact with us. They're bound. That's what it says. They're bound in Tartarus. Okay? But the demons and devils and fallen angels that are not bound, okay, and, and again, fallen angels that had not sinned by... Um, having sexual relations with women as they as it was in the days of Noah, those are the ones that are bound. The fallen angels that didn't do that, they're not bound. Okay? Satan's not bound up in heaven either. The anointed cherub that covereth is how he was originally referred to, and then he fell because of his beauty and his merchandise, he was lifted up. That's, that's, so, I, mean, I don't know, Taylor's like looking at me amazed, but that's, just so you know, that's what's going on there. Okay, that's what's going on. Well, Taylor, and maybe a lot of people are, I don't know, freaked out by what I just said, but um, I, I want to clarify that point because um, it says in in, in uh, 2 Peter 2, 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay, now again, the the word hell here in this particular portion of scripture is the only place in the Bible... Uh, the Greek word is Tartaru. It's the only time this word is used in the Bible. It's it's a special compartment of hell. Now, again, you could say, well, that was all fallen angels. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, you're telling me all fallen angels are bound right now? Well, that would kind of hamstring Satan in his efforts. Uh, there were, remember, a third of the angels fell originally. Two-thirds hadn't, Okay. The third of the angels, out of them, how many actually went down and procreated with women? I mean, if you look at the book of Enoch, it was like into the, maybe, you know, a handful. Compared to a third, most likely millions and millions would be a third of the angels. 
Okay, so it was a select group that I I believe Scripture teaches actually fell originally. And the other ones are not bound in Tartarus. Uh, now, again, let's go further. Uh, Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he, he hath reserved into everlasting change under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Now, if you just stop there, you think, well, all, all fallen angels are bound. Whoa, whoa, keep reading. Next verse, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Now we're getting much more specific. What angels are actually bound? The ones that did what the the ones that the same ones that did what they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. Just because an angel fell doesn't mean that he actually went after strange flesh. He fell. Okay, bad. His destiny is the lake of fire. No doubt about it. But there is a special place in hell called Tartarus that is reserved for the angels that not only fell, but that also went after strange flesh, went after the women of Genesis 6. And then also after that. More of those same angels fell after that because we know that they were bound. Okay, The flood happened, wiped everybody out. So those angels, which are spiritual... We're, we're bound in Tartarus, okay? Well, okay, so you got the earth, and it's like a reset button, okay? We got eight people on the ark, and they got to repopulate the earth. Well, they go out, and eventually more angels decide evidently to do the same thing. They fall. Now, there are already fallen angels. It's not that much of a step for them to go over and, and ch- chase after strange flesh. And Satan, in his whatever foreknowledge he had, pre-positioned a lot of this these Nephilim giant races in the promised land right when the Jews were getting ready to go in. Why? Because he knew that the Jews were going to go in and be told to take the promised land most likely, and he wanted to do everything he could to try to, to, try to thwart God's plan. So more angels that were already fallen most likely fell, and most likely... They were also bound in Tartarus as well. How long they were allowed to do what they were going to do, I don't know. I don't know. But um, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, so they're comparing these angels that fell and left their first estate, they left their own habitation, and he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, this is Tartarus, under the judgment of the great day. And these, are, these are not angels that are allowed to move around, ambulate, and do whatever. You know? Specifically, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Those are the specific angels that are bound in Tartarus. Okay? The ones that went after strange flesh. And they are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. They're like a, they're like an example already there that you could look at literally. I mean, you can't look at it, but in hell... They're there right now as an example for the rest of the devils and demons and fallen angels and actually those probably in hell. So that's, just so you know, that's how this this is playing out. Okay, Taylor just brought up a good question. I never really thought about it before. I think I have an answer though. Uh, she asked essentially the, the angels, these ones that pose, incubus and succubus spirits, okay, uh, incubus spirits are the devils, demons that manifest as, um, 
Well, many times they manifest as handsome men, many times maybe not, and come and literally have sexual relations with women. It's a huge problem with a lot of people. Millions and millions and millions of people literally have had their marriages ripped apart because of this. Some of them call themselves Christians. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that I, I would have a hard time understanding how you, you would have to have some serious, serious, serious open doors to allow that dynamic to totally play out. But I don't want to sit here and judge and, and make this blanket accusation against people like that. Um I, I, I could maybe, as, as maybe a, a baby Christian with a lot of open doors, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say how that dynamic could actually take place. But it's a reality. It takes place with secular people all the time. Um, now, also, likewise, men having problems with succubus spirits, uh, which are the ones that pose particularly, though usually initially manifest as like the most unbelievable, seductress woman you've ever seen in your life, and they will come and have sexual relations with men. Now, many, many times, as this progresses, they actually start to morph into what they really are. And what they really are is not pretty. It's almost like you, you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile, and as, as you give him ground, uh, he's going to start, the, you know, the veneer is going to start coming off, whatever veneer that they're trying to present. Taylor's question was, okay, if these um, devils, demons, fallen angels, whatever they are, can come and do that and have these types of relations with men and women, why aren't they bound up in hell? Like the ones that Genesis 6 describes, where the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wives all that they chose, and in those days were giants. Okay, it was, it was a, but there's a difference here. Here's the difference, and here's the reason why I believe they wouldn't be bound up in hell. Because the actual women in this particular case, it doesn't talk about this happening to men. It talks about it with the women. And here's another thing to think about. Angels all in the Bible, when angels appeared, okay, in the, um, anytime they ever appear in the Bible, they always appear as typically really good looking Men. Never, never, never in the Bible do they ever appear as female. There's only one time in the Bible where an angelic uh, uh, manifestation of a female supposed angel appears. And the Bible describes it as wickedness. Now, if you want to know more about that, key in angels or female angels, and particularly with wings, which is also not a way they appear in the Bible... Now, I'm not saying in their spiritual form they couldn't have wings, but I'm telling you, when they manifest on earth, they don't manifest, at least in the Bible, in Scripture, with wings. And they never manifest with no halo on, which is just nothing more than a representation of the Egyptian sun disk. Okay? That's all paganism. A female angel with wings and a halo. I mean, you got... You, it, it's like the unholy trifecta. I mean, it is bad news. Okay? That is evil. And it's funny because a lot of New Agers, including my mom before she got saved, was obsessed with women, angels, and all this other stuff. Oh, they're so good. They're my guardian. No, they're not. They're just a, a literally a cursed object you just brought in the house that let a big fat demon come in and rest on your desk with it and influence your life in a very negative way. Okay, the difference between Noah's day, though, and the promised land is they were literally having offspring. Literally. The fallen angels came down 
somehow, in some way, manifested in some physical form where they literally could impart their seed to the woman and she literally would be able to conceive and have a baby. I think there was something that they had to do, the angels had to do, to cross that line where they could do that. The price was, ultimately, they were going to be bound up in Tartarus and then, ultimately, the lake of fire. The, the people that are having this problem today, and let's just talk about the women, because that would most, most, uh, most closely relate to Genesis 6 and also the promised land where the giants were, because, I mean, a man can't bear a giant, okay? But a woman, a woman can. Okay, so if we talk about that subject in particular, I don't see a lot of women, other than these abduction scenarios, where women literally turn up pregnant, and then the baby's gone around the sixth or seventh month of gestation. And that's a whole other can of worms. Now, I don't know how that relates to this, but it probably does relate to this. But I'm talking about in general. You have an incubus or succubus spirit. Particularly, let's talk about the women. She has some relation with this spirit. But the norm is they're not getting pregnant. I think that's the difference. That's the line that didn't get crossed. If this was a devil or a demon, they would not have that capability to actually impart seed. Whereas a fallen angel, which is of a much higher order, would have that ability. According to scripture, according to Genesis 6, according to what we know about the promised land, according to what uh, the book of Enoch gets into. Now again, I only advocate one version of the book of Enoch. It's the blue hardback cover translated by the Baptist press, by that Baptist preacher. It has all the KJV references in there. Um, I'm not saying it's canon of scripture. I use it merely as a reference tool. I'm not saying it goes above the Bible. I, I, I use it as a commentary. Okay, But I've done a whole teaching on that, just key in Enoch in the keyword search box. And I even believe I give you a link to that particular version. I mean, you're not going to hear me reference a lot of things outside the word of God. I'm just talking about it really as an expansion of Genesis 6. A, a, a more in-depth look. And again, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. That's the days we're living in. We should expect to see more angels falling. I never really said that before. But think about it. If they were falling in Noah's day, and as it was in the days of man, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, well, shouldn't we expect more angels to be falling in today's day and age? And maybe that's why we are seeing these women that are literally coming from these abduction experiences being impregnated. And then the babies turn up missing. And then sometimes they're allowed to actually bond with them on the mothership. Now I'm talking about millions of women this has happened to. Not four or five. Millions. And they're some hybrid... Well, that's what the giants were. They were some hybrid. They were, they were part fallen angel, part human. Okay, now, again, do I have all the answers regarding that subject? No, I don't. But, I'm just trying to... Th these are questions that the church has totally, totally avoided. And these abduction scenarios have happened to millions of women and men. And isn't it funny, when they get abducted, it's always centered on their reproduction. Always the fluids of reproduction and everything else. That's where the, the, the main emphasis when they get taken to these ships is. Well, it was the main emphasis in Noah's day. It was the main emphasis in the promised land's day. How to create their demonized Nephilim 
fall in one race. Same thing then, and, and it's going to be the same thing today. When I've got into that whole subject of the UFOs and all that other stuff and many, many other teachings, just key in UFOs or alien or whatever in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and we'll, we'll go further into that subject. Okay, so Taylor just asked another little battery of questions, which I would assume a lot, a lot of people may have the same questions, um, which essentially asking, okay, why did God do this with these particular fallen angels? And, and uh, you know, regarding chaining them in this um, Tartarus, this special compartment of hell. Well, basically, it's that God draws a line in the sand for these, and he's like, okay, you've fallen, okay, your ultimate destination is the lake of fire, okay, but if you don't, um, and, and up until that time, you know, they're allowed to do, I'm, 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 I'm assuming, work within some parameter that God would permit. Because, see, God's still the one that designs the parameters, even on fallen angels, even on Satan. But if you cross this particular line, you're done. You're, you're going straight to chains of everlasting darkness, and you're going to be chained up for literally thousands of years and then go straight into the lake of fire. You're not going to have the ability to have any uh, the freedom that you have now. Was that pretty accurate, Taylor? Yes. So that's kind of the, the one thing. What was the other thing? And then she asked about, well, is this where we, we get all the Greek legends and myths of Achilles and Hercules? And Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, I'm certain, I'm sure there's a certain amount of embellishment. And, you know, the whole Zeus, the pantheon of gods, this is where it all comes from. You know, uh, whether it's Genesis 6, whether it's the um, Giants of the Promised Land, whether it's other areas or other times when the fallen angels fell. Most likely a lot of this came from Genesis 6 because they literally, I mean, at that particular time, it got so bad, God had to wipe out the whole planet with a flood. Because the seed, for the most part, most of the seed, I believe, had been totally corrupted. Noah, it said, was pure in his generations, what was perfect in his generations. And that just means that his genetic line, his DNA, had not been corrupted. Which, again, this is why I keep going back to all the stuff they're trying to do to mess up our DNA. DNA, whether it be the GMO crops, whether it be all the, the um, horrific tainted DNA they're putting in the vaccines, injecting straight into your bloodstream. It's all pure evil. I mean, there's uh, there's DNA, uh, foreign DNA in the chemtrails. It's all over the place. And that was a big thing that Satan was trying to accomplish in Noah's day, and it's no different now. It's He's still trying to corrupt our DNA. He's just doing it a little differently overall. So, yes, all the Greek myths and, and all these things, Achilles, and these are... Essentially, I mean, even they admit to this. I mean, like with Achilles, they said, you know, his mother was a goddess and his, you know, I think his dad was human or something. I don't know. I really don't. Here's another thing. I really don't buy into the whole thing about these goddess demons and Lilith posing as a woman and this. I think I think that they were all, to a certain extent, um, fallen angels at one time. And angels typically appear as male. Okay, this is why when we go back to Genesis 6, it wasn't the fallen angels wanting to procreate with men. It was them wanting to procreate with women. Okay, they had a male 
they've always had a male um, uh, construct, essentially. Jesus has a male construct. Father God has a male construct. I don't buy into the whole female. They can pose as female fallen angels, and they can, but I don't. I don't believe that they are. I don't believe that they are. I believe that they were actually of a male construct, and they're just putting on this veneer. Now, granted, what they've devolved into since they've fallen, who knows? Okay, but again, I just want to throw my two cents in on that. Uh, I just don't see any Bible for any other viewpoint. So, going further here, uh, let's see here. Okay, I finally found my place again here. Uh, continuing, it says, as in antiquity, those who practice modern paganism are guilty of worshipping devils, according to Revelation 9.20. The dogma once embraced, and that continues through such earth-centric paganism as Wicca, is defined in scripture as doctrines of devils. Well, it's one way you could define it, sure. I mean, not all doctrines of devils, I mean, doctrines of devils would encompass a lot more than just this one subject, though. Uh, and again, it refers to this um, doctrines of devils in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, which is where we're living in now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's all one big satanic package. So, the Apostle Paul said, quote, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. 1 Corinthians 10.20. So, you know, that's, that's just an example of these people that think they're sacrificing something to some deity. They're sacrificing it to a devil. And they don't even really know what they're sacrificing it to. I mean, if the thing ever actually manifested in its pure form, <laughs> you know, but... Most of the time that doesn't happen because they want to keep that facade up. Thus, pagan images such as those represented the ancient gods and goddesses were the living dynamics of idolatry and spiritual objects of pagan adoration, which are demons, devils, and fallen angels. And, and obviously, Satan being at the top of the food chain there. Because the Bible clearly... I mean, that's the big reason Satan fell in the first place. Because he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend under the sides of the North. He wanted the same glory, worship, adoration that only God... That only God could actually um, rightfully deserve. But he wanted it so bad, he fell. I mean, wow, we're talking really, really delusional. But anyway, because the Bible clearly defines such goddess worship as the homage of evil spirits, and since they are eternal personalities that desire the worship of humans, it is fair to characterize wicked deities, including gods, goddesses, and the horn god of the hunt, as neo-pagan titles attributed to evil spirits. Now here's where I give you the link to my teaching on, entitled Halloween, Human Sacrifice, Stonehenge, and the Wicker Man. So I get into Stonehenge as well, which is nothing more than an ancient druid uh, uh, site where they actually uh, mass human sacrifice was performed. They've done, they've unearthed a lot of what's underneath Stonehenge. And I mean, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of human skeletons underneath Stonehenge. I don't know if you knew that. But it was a very, I mean, those, those circles, those druid circles are all over 
England in that area. There, just Stonehenge happens to be, I think, one of the most, or if not the most grandiose of them all, the most famous. But, you know, I would imagine if you unearthed these stone rings, it was a, it was a holy place for the Druid, where the Druid high priests would gather and they would perform, you know, human and maybe animal sacrifices at certain times. So going further, the New Testament tells the story of presenting the gospel to pagans. It records conversion to Christ and the abandonment of earth-centered goddess cults. The worship of Diana in Ephesus was another stronghold of earth-centered goddess cults. Dianic witchcraft was the greatest unifying religion among all pagan people up to that time. It took 220 years to build the massive temple to Diana in Ephesus. Man, that is some... Think about that. I mean, 220 years to build a temple to Satan, essentially. Satan is a cruel taskmaster. I mean, how many lifetimes did people went through to build this abomination? Yet, when Paul preached the gospel of Jesus to the Ephesians, uh, Acts 19, 17-20 says, many of them also which use curious arts, I, I mentioned this verse earlier, who use curious arts, meaning the black arts, witchcraft, brought their books together and burned them before all men. This is, a, this is our example. We burn them, if, if at all possible, burn it. Break it, burn it, do whatever. But ultimately, burning is the best after you break, if, if it can be broken, like a doll, you know, obviously. But, uh, and then they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Wow, that's a lot of money they had spent on these witchcraft manuals. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. End of quote. See, once they burned all these cursed objects, what was the what was the effect? Um, well, the effect is obvious. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. But they needed to purge out these cursed objects for that to happen. That was like prerequisite. That was like the first thing they did after they got saved. Essentially, I would imagine they probably got saved probably got baptized in close proximity and then that was the third thing they probably did. Because, you know, they didn't mess around. Typically they got baptized in very close proximity to getting saved. And I think that's also a good example as well for us. I've done a whole teaching on baptism too. Just keep baptism in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Going further, it says, May we with joy declare such a life-changing gospel and not be ashamed. Romans 1.16, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. So, see, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. Okay, that's how the Bible describes it. So he came to the Jew first, and then, and then the emphasis gradually shifted over. It wasn't like instantaneous, it gradually shifted over to the Gentile. In this case, they're calling him the Greek. And... So anyway, let's go further here. But not to say Jews can't be saved. Okay, I don't want to give you that. But the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Okay, so that's the um, that's a little more clarification. Next, we're going to totally shift gears now, and, and again, more into the vein of current events, uh, a little bit relating to Halloween. And this one is the Department of Homeland Security announces Halloween checkpoints in Tennessee to keep children safe. Following the announcement that TSA agents would be involved in manning highway checkpoints in Tennessee, 
The state's Homeland Security Commissioner said yesterday that a raft of new security checkpoints would be in place over the Halloween period to, quote, keep roadways safe for trick-or-treaters. Well, thank you so much, big brother. Uh, and again, what they're in reference to here is the TSA was actually involved now with Homeland Security uh, in uh, Tennessee, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a second here. And they're showing here a sign, uh, an orange roadway sign that says, Checkpoint ahead, be prepared to stop. And the thing is, is if you try to turn around, once you see the sign, they're waiting for you. So, even if you don't, I mean, even if you've done nothing wrong and you just want to try to avoid it, and you turn around, they're going to be all over you like a cheap suit. So, you know, this happens to you, you just... (laughs) Well, anymore, you just need to be praying, you know, about these types of things. And uh, they're just really trying to get people acclimated to this total control mechanism, this Nazi Germany mentality of show me your papers. And, I mean, if you think about it, nothing's even really happened um, regarding some type of false flag event or some supposed terrorist event that would really cause things to go into hyper martial law, big brother mode. This is just the precursor, unfortunately. State troopers will be conducting safety checkpoints, sobriety roadblocks, saturation patrols, and other enforcement techniques to look for aggressive and impaired drivers over the next few days in order to, quote, keep roadways safe for the trick-or-treaters, according to Department of Homeland Security and Department of Safety Commissioner Bill Gibbons, whose office's role includes terrorism prevention. Since the Jackson Sun has already announced where the checkpoints will be located, enabling any bad guys to avoid them, is this really about keeping the kids safe, or is it about revenue generation? Well, also revenue generation, and again, that conditioning tool of this acclimation. States raise much-needed cash by impounding vehicles from unlicensed drivers. But, a mem- but I guarantee you, if you're probably an illegal alien with no license, they'll probably let you on right through. That's been, the, that's been the standard procedure down near the Texas uh, border. Anyway, going further, but amendment and therefore unconstitutional unless public safety can be cited as a pretext. Um, but amendment and therefore unconstitutional unless public safety can be cited as a pretext. Hence, they're labeled DUI checkpoints and every traveler has their protection against unreasonable search and seizures violated. Uh, but if it's for the children, then the Constitution is null and void. Think about it. Yeah. Oh, it's for the children. So, therefore, the Constitution's null and void. You have no more Fourth Amendment right. You have no protection against unlawful searches or seizures of you or your property. Your your Fourth Amendment is totally null and void. Because that's the one thing I... I mean, people that get pulled over and get unlawfully uh, search or seizures, that type of thing, you know, that's the thing I've always seen people cite was the Fourth Amendment. You know, you're violating my Fourth Amendment rights. And um, apparently because one person was killed in a car, ra- car crash in Tennessee last Halloween, that justifies the Bill of Rights being discarded in favor of Soviet-style checkpoints. In reality, this represents another example of how Homeland Security has stepped away beyond its mandate and is becoming a literal occupying force in America. Earlier this month, it was announced that Transportation Security Administration officials would be manning highway checkpoints in Tennessee, targeting truck drivers. That's what I was in reference to about the TSA. After public outrage, though, which is good, I'm glad to hear that, 
that there was a lot of public outrage. Because that's how the Illuminati gauges things. If there's no public outrage, it gives, just gives them the green light to get even more draconian. Uh, earlier this month, it was, um, oh, I'm sorry, after public outrage, the TSA attempted to neutralize the controversy by claiming that the inspections were carried out by state troopers, while the TSA agents were there to try to recruit truck drivers into becoming snitches for the See Something, Say Something campaign. So in other words, they said, oh no, it really wasn't TSA doing all the bad work, it was our state troopers. The TSA were just there to create little um, Nazi-like, see something, say something, uh, Department of uh, Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano's little um, uh, servants, essentially. That's what the TSA agents were there for. And that the checkpoints were merely temporary. In reality, the program was the latest phase of TSA's rapidly expanding Viper. Well, they should call it Viper, like a snake, you know? I mean, Jesus Christ called the Pharisees and Sadducees serpents and vipers. Remember that? Anyway, um, under which the TSA agents have been deployed to shake down Americans at everywhere from bus depots to ferry terminals to train stations. In one instance, conducting pat-downs of passengers, including children on a train, who had already completed their journey when arriving in Savannah. I mean, why would they need to do that while they're getting off the train? You know? They're doing it now when they get off the train? It's unbelievable. So, let's not concern ourselves with the fact that uh, Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano admitted to her department was authorizing, has now admitted to her department, it was authorizing illegal aliens, felons, who have knowingly broken the law to work inside the United States, so long as we're safe in the knowledge that Americans will be getting searched at checkpoints in order to take care of the trick-or-treating children this Halloween. Because that's what really matters. So in other words, the duplicity, the hypocrisy of this wicked government knows no bounds. Things that are evil are good, and things that are good are evil. And the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And that's, that's what we're seeing increasingly more every single day. Good things are totally demonized, you know, and, and bad things, that's what's, what's uh, put on a pedestal, and that's all good. There's, there's you know, it, it's just amazing. Now, some related articles, I'm just going to read you the titles here, and you can click on these links if you like, uh, TSA begins Viper Highway inspections in Tennessee. It's kind of what we just covered. DHS military police and law enforcement plan checkpoints in Tennessee. Next one is car seizures. Car seizures at um, DUI checkpoints prove profitable for cities and raise legal questions. Uh, next one is new law in Louisiana prevents the use of cash for secondhand transactions. That's another big thing that's happened in Louisiana. Uh, uh, trying to get us over to a cashless society where everything can be tracked and monitored, every little transaction. And then Homeland Security such up, sets up suspicionless checkpoints along roads in Washington State. Uh, I, like I said, I, I went through the first one in my life not too long ago. I was just driving from a back road from a town that connects to the little town that I'm in. And we get, I mean, there's a checkpoint. Now, it wasn't much of a checkpoint. There was really hardly anything set up. The guy was sitting there, this cop, and he was just checking licenses. Well, okay, you know. But it's getting you acclimated for that whole thing. 
Okay, it's getting you used to the fact of, and that's exactly why they're doing it, to get you acclimated and used to it so that it's no big deal when the real thing really rolls around. And, you know, I've heard scenarios of, like, if you're on their list, when things really start to get bad, you're not getting through the checkpoint. Well, you know what? Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's how I look at it. You know, um, whether that's going to happen. And not to say God cannot protect you or literally make you invisible to the enemy. I've heard many, many stories of of Christians since antiquity being delivered in such a fashion. I'm not saying it's going to happen for everybody. I'm saying it could. You just have to have the faith to at least believe that that could happen. So, just something to think about there. Uh, Then the next article is Texas Governor Perry favors unconstitutional checkpoints. Man, that guy's evil looking. Whew. Wow, he's evil. He's Mr. Gardasil, pharma cartel boy, uh, among other things. And then drivers face drug checkpoints on highways near Flint. I'm, I'm assuming Flint, Michigan. Anyway. Some Bible verses relating to this particular subject on persecution. John 16, 2, Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. They don't. They're doing actually Satan's service, but they're so deluded and so twisted in the head that that's their mindset. And honestly, I can look at what's going on in the 501c3 corporate church from a, you know, a broad look at that and see how that could easily be the case. Easily. I mean, just look at all the stuff I've reported on since this ministry's been going. That really shouldn't be a stretch for you to believe that anymore. Second Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, that's just what the Bible says. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is why when you start getting into this type of material and like you start realizing about Xmas and Ishtar and just some of the things I talked about today, obviously not everything, um, you will start to be typically ostracized by those that call themselves Christians because they won't anything, want anything to do with you. It won't matter what you tell them for the most part. Some maybe. Very few have I ever seen converted. Uh, it doesn't matter how many facts you give them. It doesn't matter how much you show them how satanic those things are. And that's just one thing to give an example for. It won't matter. They are going to ostracize you and and browbeat you and um, separate from you. They won't want anything to do with you when you start getting into this type of information for the most part. And... Really, just what it boils down to is trying to live godly in Christ Jesus. I mean, celebrating pagan holidays is not living godly in Christ Jesus. And again, that's just one example. But that's what it said. That's what Jesus Christ basically said is going to happen. John fifteen twenty. Remember the word that I said unto you that the servant is no greater than his lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We should just expect persecution. That's just what we should expect. Uh, But the Bible also says, Blessed are you when when all men shall persecute you and revile you and speak all manner of evil about you, for great is your reward in heaven. Going further, 
1 Peter 4, 12-19 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. But for the spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. This is actually the mark of a Christian. I mean, it really should be the mark of a Christian. Um, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, when shall the ungodly and where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator. Matthew uh, twenty four ten and 12 says, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. And this is regarding really uh, the end times that we're living in. This is most specifically said to that time period. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And because of iniquity or sin, because iniquity shall abound, and again, all you have to do is look around in America, and that's where I live. I'm sure it's true for all parts of the world. But And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So, that's what we should be expecting. That's probably not being preached in the churches very much, for the most part. I mean, some, yes, I'm sure, but for the most part, most aren't. I mean, most of the time you're going to get some prosperity gospel some watered-down, lukewarm uh, version of that. Okay, so let's see where we're at on time here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And we're going to get into the 18 examples of how Christians are being specifically targeted by Big Brother. And I wanted to read those persecution verses before I got into this because it's obviously very pertinent to what we're going to be talking about next. So, uh, God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.